Wir gehen es Ihnen und was ist los? It's deinen Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Well, hello, Super Ninfrendos. What's happening? It's NVC episode, let me look, 624. My God. I am your host, Seth Macy. This week, we are joined by Steve Bowling from Good Vibes Gaming. Hello, Steve. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Hey, happy to have you. Industry legend, Cat Bailey. Hey, it's me, Seth, secretly a squid, or maybe a kid. <laughs> I can't decide. Today, I'm a squid. Tomorrow, who knows? 
And then uh, I don't have a cool nickname for you yet, Reb. Uh, the uh, person who's going to the Bone Cathedral in Germany with me, <laughs> Reb Valentine. That sounded awful. Let us take that out of the, it's the Basilica of St. Ursula. It is a room filled with the remains of what they say are 11,000 virgins. It's very goth. And uh, I really didn't think that one through. I don't know that you're making it better. Okay. We're going to bring Business I, Pikachu with us. It'll be great. Let's talk about Business Pikachu. We'll bring it back down. Actually, we'll talk about Business Pikachu on a later trip when I forget this horrible embarrassment. No, I'll never forget this. This will keep me up at night. I'm so but happy this happened. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'll, I'll, it'll haunt my dreams. This will be the moment when they're telling me, you know, you're not on the show anymore. And then they pull up episode 624, and that's why kids listen to this show. So, sorry, kids. Anyway, let's talk about what's been happening in the wonderful world of Nintendo. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns has been delayed uh, again. So, if you're looking forward to that, uh, good news. You get to look forward to it even longer. So, that's exciting. Pretty sizable Monster Hunter update. We've got some new monster variants. Um, pretty uh, exciting stuff there. The uh oh oh god I didn't take good notes on this I'm sorry cat but there was an electronic duo whose name I didn't put down who almost did the Metroid Prime music that came out this week there's a Better Call Saul <laughs> Game Boy game which looks just absolutely wonderful um I mean not that you would think that anything based on Better Call Saul for the Game Boy would be wonderful but it has a lot of charm. And, and it's a it's a Game Boy game. Pac-Man live action movie is in development. Apparently, he packs things, and he's a man. There's ghosts they didn't involved. Learn their lesson from Pixels. Oh my oh. God! You know what? I had forgotten oh. all about the movie Pixels, and I'm wow. unhappy to have to think about. Somebody that made one a again. like a lemon that was like a little Pac-Man, and they were going, and it's quite horrifying the textures and everything. Yeah. And they're like, this is what a live action Pac-Man looks like. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I didn't want to know that. I didn't want to know what live action Pac-Man What if he's like. just like a regular guy and one day he just, just acts, he eats a power pellet. Yeah, it's just a dude. It's, it's actually, it's just, it's just Ghostbusters if you think about it. I feel just like one metaphor happened. for capitalism. There we go. I feel like if we have wow. not already reached the point in which anybody who is currently thinking of making a movie out of a video game needs to stop, uh, we are very quickly nearing that point. Hmm. I don't know. I heard that uh, Chris Pratt will be in the live-action Tetris movie as the elf. <laughs> I mean, falling from the sky. You, you can do Mario. You can nail Elf. He's so cool. Uh, Pokemon. Oh, Cat, you were uh, talking about this very highly. The Pokemon Arceus Chronicles. Uh, mm. Would you expound upon that a little bit, please? Yeah, sure. It's going to be a Netflix series, and it's basically a throwback to the Sinnoh arc of the original Pokemon series that happened like 15 years ago or thereabouts, or they're bringing back Dawn and all of them. And it's because um, Pokemon's been going so hard on the Sinnoh region from Gen 4 recently between Pokemon Legends Arceus and uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. So if you want a, if you want a little nostalgia for Diamond and Pearl, which money it's the secret best arc in the original anime here you Ooh. go pokemon arceus chronicles on netflix yep looks pretty good 
I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Pokemon is just a delight. Yeah. The Pokemon anime really, I think, kind of made a made a comeback. And I mean, there, there's always been people who have loved it, but I feel like when it hit the Alola region, they did a they did a real dramatic transformation of the animation style, and the writing really picked up, and it got very funny, and was doing all these parodies of different animes. And I haven't I haven't kept up with it a whole lot since Alola, but uh, everything that I've seen from it since then has been actually like pretty decent. And so I I feel like they've really picked up that anime in the last couple of years. Sweet. Yeah, it's a good show. And the new one looks pretty lovely. But there was some breaking news this morning. No one was prepared for this. There's a like a three and a half minute Kirby Dream Buffet trailer that dropped this morning that explained a little bit more about the game. It's not Fall Guys like we all knew. Four player online or two player local. And Kirby, basically, the, the crux of the story is he, he has a magic fork that shrank him down to be very tiny. And now the rest of the Kirbys have to eat strawberries. And whoever eats the most becomes the biggest Kirby and wins Kirby's Dream Buffet. That's kind of all there is to it. Nothing other than, you know, he absorbs food powers, which is pretty exciting. Who among us has not wanted to have the powers of a pineapple, for example? I'm just very proud of him because I every single Kirby game that I've played in recent years has begun with him sort of, you know, wandering through the forest and trying to eat a snack or in the process of eating a snack and then some horrible world-ending galactic terror shows up and ruins his snack time and so i'm glad he finally gets a game where he just gets to snack the entire game instead of having his meal time yeah. interrupted and the levels themselves are snacks Kirby is always hungry the hunger never ends we love him so much look at that guy <laughs> this game looks so charming and wonderful. Oh, and then we get a release date. It comes out August 17th, which is a week, like a week actually away. less than a week from today. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. They didn't give I'm any a- other information, like if it's going to be download only or, uh, you know, you'll be able to buy a physical version of it. But I feel like with Nintendo, this is almost certainly download only. I wouldn't even I be like surprised was- if this was somehow time limited. <laughs> Oh. I, I feel like that was actually a point of confusion when they first announced this game. Uh, if I remember correctly, I do not remember which source it was because there was a trailer and then there was also a press release that was sent out. And one of the sources I feel like said it was eShop download only. And then another source suggested it might be available physically or at retail or something. And so I, I think there was some confusion and I'm not, I'm not sure if that ever got cleared up or if it did. I do not know in which direction it was cleared up. Well, if uh, as far as this morning's reveal, it was not cleared up. They just said, coming August 17th. So I hope there's a physical version of somebody who just likes to waste money on physical versions of things and then never play them. Um, I, I hope that there is. I'll, I'll definitely be playing this. It looks so cute. It's Kirby. How could you not want to play an adorable multiplayer competitive Kirby game? Seth, I'll play this with yep. you at Gamescom. That's a great idea because I'm bringing Ooh. the Nintendo Switch with me and it's OLED. So it's going to look even more beautiful. This game looks so cute. It's so cute. And, and the fruit textures are none, Se- second to none. So anyway, but enough about Kirby. The reason we have Steve here, the reason we have Reb here is because we are talking about a little game called Splatoon 3. There was a what, 30 minute Splatoon 3. Like I said, Splatoon, uh, Splatoon, Splatoon. 3. Nintendo Direct that went over all of the stuff. For example, uh, all the internet wants now is Big Man. They love the giant manta ray. He's he has no hands, but he's got fins and flippers. Uh, you got to watch out for manta rays though, because they do have a spike on their tail, and that is 
well, that is, is not good. But uh, Steve, would you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're excited about from the Splatoon oh, 3 Direct? So the first thing that excited me the most was that uh, Splatfests are now three-team deals. Uh, I love the yeah. idea that they've injected a little bit more uh, chaos into Splatoon. And I voted for chaos in, in the previous like final Splatfest. So, you know, obviously this game is like for me now. But um, I, I love the idea that you now have three teams and that they purposely set the winning team at a disadvantage so that if you're on the if you're playing for the winning team, you get dropped into the middle of the map flanked by the opposing teams on either side. And granted, it's like two players, but you're strategically in the worst possible place to win a Splatfest or, or a Turf War match. So I, I'm really excited to see how these play out. And I'm really excited to see what kind of choices they go with uh, for three. Because we've seen like uh, we had Hello Kitty. We had Ninja Turtles. Like I'm, I'm really curious to see how they add third options to some of these more divisive topics because they've always had some really fun, like interesting, like ketchup versus mayo and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> uh, so I'll be curious to see what kind of wacky like third choices they come up with for these. But I would say the Splatfests are are easily the most exciting thing. But it's the direct was full of really cool stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, Reb. What about you? What are you, What are you excited about? for Splatoon 3 or more specifically from this direct? Uh, I am a, I'm a social player, uh, so I, I don't play super competitively, but I do love playing online matches with my friends. Um, I had a little group that I used to play with during Splatoon 2, and I have friends that I want to play Splatoon 3 with. Uh, so I'm really excited. This, this direct was very dense in quality of life features. Uh, one of the most frustrating things about the previous two Splatoon games is that it was it was always just a little bit too complicated to get into a game with your friends. Like you could do a private lobby with just just you and your buds, but if you didn't have exactly the right amount of people, then it ended up being kind of imbalanced or it didn't quite work. Uh, so I'm really excited because it looks like I, the lobby is now this physical space where there's like a, a test range, like a training grounds you can kind of do. And you can also see ghosts of your friends in the lobby and you can very easily just hop into the games that they are currently in, or you can, you know, sort of ping everybody and be like, hey, I'm looking for people to do this kind of match or whatever. And it just it generally seems like it's going to be a little bit easier to know who's online, know who's playing at a given time and jump in with them. And I think especially at launch when everybody's playing at once, that's going to be really, really fun and really exciting. Uh, so that's, that's probably the thing that I'm looking forward to the most other than all of the presumably cool new fashion and customization choices that we're going to oh get. My God. I love dressing up my mm. squids. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want 
I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN. It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Yeah, so you're going to be decking out your locker? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the new stuff that you can put up, like, stickers in your locker. You can put gear in your locker. You get titles now, which I loved seeing the little preview of the titles you can get because so many of them look like they came out of Animal Crossing's title list, and Animal Crossing mm -hmm. had some really great titles. <laughs> so I'm stoked to, you know, come up with the silliest title I possibly can and put it on there alongside, you know, a background and whatever else I can do. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to get a skateboard and then lean it one way or the other because for some for some reason in the direct they showed the skateboard kind of like leaning the wrong way and then they had to catch it that doesn't matter cat you have gone on the record to say uh, and i'm paraphrasing here that splatoon is the most important legacy of the wii u so how did you feel after watching the splatoon 3 direct do you feel like the wii u got its final final word in <laughs> like Splatoon and I really love the world of Splatoon. Um it's the coolest Nintendo franchise. Um Absolutely, I, yes. I love the it idols. Mm -hmm. I love that most of the Discord, most of the discourse around the community was we wanted a male idol and Nintendo was like, here's big man. <laughs> here's a manta ray. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, why not? Right. Um I love the fashion. I love the overall aesthetic. And I think for this one, I'm actually kind of excited of the for the single player campaign i, I believe it's called mm. return of the man return of the mammalians or something like that yes yeah and i love the shot of the of the inkling being on the ground level and the camera panning up to the, these huge multi-level uh city and everything it's, it's a really neat look overall for the game um i'm kind of reb i'm, I'm kind of with reb in that the the competitive mode is a little bit whatever for me. I think Salmon Run rules. Mm, yeah. And they're going to be expanding on that. 
uh, in this one as well. So I think it's a pretty big, fully featured game. And much like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh, kind of made good on the promise of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch, I am I have high hopes that Splatoon 3 will do the same. Because for as good as Splatoon 2 was, things like the online multiplayer were you know, somewhat limited and things like that. Um, a lot of the quality of life improvements are very much uh, very exciting for Splatoon 3. So there are people who are like, did we really need a Splatoon 3? And I say, yes, yes, we did. Yes. Splatoon 2 yeah, is a, a launch window game, right? Yeah, Splatoon yep. 2 yeah. and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, same year. Wow. I am, I. <laughs> Go ahead, Rip. By the way, if you're listening at home and you're wondering why, we have a, a slight record or a audio thing that's giving us a little bit of a delay. So if you're wondering why there are some unusual pauses, that's why it's a technical issue. And I apologize ahead of time. I'm just trying to get get ahead of the comments because they always say something. Anyway, Rev, you am were very, going to say. Yes. Okay. I, I am very excited about uh, the, sort of the promise of ongoing updates for this game long term. Uh, they came right out of the gate. The game's not even out yet. And they said that they're going to do what? Like three, or sorry, two, two, two years of ongoing yeah. regular free updates. Uh, we know they're at least going to be updating the catalog and adding new weapons while they're doing that. There's a couple of game modes they teased that are going to come up eventually. There's going to be new stages. But then they also promised their, their exact phrasing was large scale paid DLC, uh, which is very exciting yeah. because the Octo expansion in Splatoon 2 was really good. And I would love to see more stuff like that. Just, you know, I don't know if it'll be story content or or what kind of large scale what what large scale paid dlc means but i'm really excited about the prospect because splatoon is a game that if they supported it well could absolutely go on i think even longer than two years i mean if splatoon 3 is everything mm -hmm. that it looks like it is from this direct i mean i could easily see us playing this for the remainder of the switch's life cycle which is presumably what they want i don't think i don't think we're gonna get a splatoon 4 on the switch but yeah, yeah. so i'm i'm no, very optimistic I... for what that's going to be I said on the Nintendo uh, voice chat Twitter that uh, this confirms that we'll get the next Nintendo console in 2024. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, oh, all right. Uh, there was actually a question block from Ken Hall who wants to know, is there any one thing that you wanted Nintendo to show about Splatoon 3 and was it shown or not? And if not, what was that one thing? I'd like to start with you, Steve. Was there anything that you... Ooh. wanted going so they, into this that you saw or didn't see the thing i wanted going into this was confirmation that we wouldn't be forced to sit through our idol show at the beginning of the game every single time we booted up and uh while they didn't implicitly show it they did imply that it, that it may well be there because uh when they sh I, I don't remember where specifically in the trailer but at one point you see a little tool tip or whatever in the upper left hand corner saying like push l to watch uh deep cut and so I'm hoping that that means that, you know, you just get thrown right into the lobby at the start of the game and you don't have to sit through like two or three minutes of just talking, you know, about what the stages are and, and what's you know, if Salmon Run's available. And I, I certainly hope, and I wasn't able to glean this from the trailer, I hope that Salmon Run is just available all the time. Like, I really don't want... Oh, actually, be, like, I saw a pair who's on vacation sent me a, a Game Explain video where they uh, confirmed that, yes, actually... Uh, Salmon Run is oh, a 24-7 nice. availability, yeah. so you'll be able to... Oh, that's so good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sam, Sam run getting bigger. I agree with cat is one of the biggest things for me, but I would say like the, the thing that makes me happiest is just knowing that they kind of understand where the pain points were with Splatoon two and they're trying to address those. Right. on. Yeah. I think they learned uh, a lot from Splatoon two in general. Um, I think that from my perspective, that it would have been nice to have learned a little bit more about the single player. It would have been nice to um, have seen maybe more about new modes, that kind of thing. They had some kind of card collecting game going on, which oh, I thought was yeah. kind of interesting. Did you did you see that? Sorry, what was that? Did you? There was like a card collecting mode, I guess. Oh yeah, um, I, I think yeah, that looks yeah. really cool. Like I, I, I remember it's silly, but like one of my fun little like side diversions in Splatoon Two was that little rhythm game at the at the DDR looking machine in in the lobby, and I could mm. see myself. I, I sunk a stupid amount of time into that game. I could see myself spending a lot of time on the card game too, like deck building and and collecting cards and playing that almost competitively with people as well. Uh, because Splatoon is a game that I just like to hang out in and like play with friends. I played hundreds of hours of Splatoon 2. Uh, and if Splatoon 1 weren't on the Wii U, I would have played a lot more of it. But uh, <laughs> I, I definitely feel like this will just give me more things to do. Because Splatoon is a game that I kind of gravitate towards and pull friends into. And I just find whatever it is to do. I, I will probably, like Cat, spend a lot of time in, in Salmon Run. But I could see myself playing the, the deck building game uh, in between Salmon Run bouts it's yeah. still such a clever multiplayer game i remember when it was first revealed and I, at, at first i was like i don't really understand this whole uh paint thing um but much like smash brothers which was at the time i was like i don't get it like you knock your opponent off the board you don't reduce their <laughs> life bar you raise it up uh once I, you know, when you, it's very intuitive once you start to learn how to play it, and then it becomes extremely fun and um, extremely addictive. And uh, yeah, like I'm, and I, I, it pioneered kind of motion controls and using motion controls in a smart way for first person shooters. Um, I'm curious, are, are y'all motion control people when you're playing Splatoon? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It depends I, on how so I, I feel played... at that particular moment. I played I'm, on the Wii I'm with U, Seth like, on this one. Like when it first came out, and I was very apprehensive about the motion controls, but I was reviewing it for the little that I was writing for back then. And I felt, you know, I needed to test everything. So I tested the motion controls and I realized that I could be much more accurate with them. And so I started practicing with motion controls and I got better. It took a while, but once you once you have the feel of it, it's a lot easier. And now that's just how I play Splatoon. Easy to learn, difficult to master. <laughs> I'm not very good, but I'm. I'm well, I'm curious. What is it? What is it that you were hoping to see, and did you see that or not? I honestly, I did not realize this was going to be as dense as it was. I, I truly got so much more out of this than I thought. Uh, than, than I thought I ever would. I do think. Uh, this is where I reveal that my Splatoon knowledge is not precise. I have played a lot of Splatoon. I played less Splatoon 2 than I played of the original. So it's been like many years since I played a whole ton of Splatoon. Uh, I felt like most of the stages, so they have a set of new stages. They have a bunch of returning stages. They have 12 stages total. Um, most of the stages on there were either brand new or from a set of newer stages. So like ones that came out, I think with Splatoon 2 or towards the end of the life of the first Splatoon or towards the end of the life of Splatoon 2. Basically what I'm saying is I didn't 
recognize none of the stages that are there at launch are ones that I am super familiar with. And I was hoping to get some good old classic Splatoon stages, mm. like, you know, first round of first set of stages that were there in Splatoon. Um, I know I know we'll probably get them uh, in updates later on because they'll probably bring in new ones and returning ones over time. Uh, I would also love to see if they're going to bring back some of the oldest Splatoon stages. I would love to see them do like revamps of them. Uh, one of the things I thought was cool from the presentation is what's it called? It's like Octo Bridge or whatever the bridge stage is. They point out that it look. I think it looks like pretty much the same stage, but they point out in the lore that it is the bridge that connects Splatsville and uh, the original city. God, I forget what it's called. Inkopolis, whatever it is. Uh, and so it's, it's now been finished. The bridge was incomplete in Splatoon 2 and it's now been finished. And so that's how the two zones are connected in the lore. And I think it would be really cool to see more lore tie-ins as to what has happened mm. to these places over the years as we have more commerce between these two cities. Yeah, I I'm think that's awesome. lore, honestly. <laughs> uh, we also have NPCs growing up as well. There was one yeah. who was kind of more of a kid and now they're a teenager. Now they're a squid. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's merch. Sorry, sorry, that's sorry. Merch. Yeah. Now they are a squid. Well, I do want to say real quick before we take a break, uh, Parker, when he was younger, who's my youngest son, he was very into the the comics the splatoon comics so if you want splatoon lore uh it is there it's in like some really charming actually really nicely drawn uh manga issues i don't know how many there are we had eight of them and they're and they're super charming but also i can't speak for myself but i do want to say that when he and i were watching the direct he said there better be salmon run and as soon as he said that they showed the salmon run segment so his wish his splatoon wishes were granted but we need to take oh. a break real quick so we can uh, pay some bills or else they're going to shut my lights off. So uh, stick around. All right, we are back. We just talked about Splatoon 3, but now we're going to talk about a 24-year-old game that had a new uh, pair of secrets that nobody knew were hiding in there. Super Punch-Out from the Twitter account Unlisted Cheats. Apparently, if you hold the Y button and R on the second controller, and then start on the first controller, you can play two-player. Kat, you confirmed this. Am I, is that correct? That is correct, yes. Well, it's actually a two-part step, which might explain why people didn't really discover it for actually 28 years. So the comments don't yell at us, but it's wow. been 28 years since the launch of Super punch out. Pizza cake. I'm, yes, but I, yeah, no. So you can actually do this on the Nintendo Switch, which is pretty cool. And the way, the way it works is if you do the right specified button combination and you have to do it on the second controller and then hit start on the first controller, you will be taken into a screen that allows you to play a free match with any character in the game. And then, if you click on them again and you see the info screen, you can do a second button combination, which I believe is B plus Y, and then start on the first controller. You can control them and you can do special attacks. Like you can do the bull rush with ball bull and whatnot. So now you've got a multiplayer mode. I, I think it's some kind of debug mode or a, a test mode, probably mm. from the original game, so that you could just test out the different boxers and everything. But it is, in effect, multiplayer in super punch out and frankly y'all this changes everything i am going <laughs> i'm going to try it out i am really excited 
to see like how Super Punch-Out uh, plays in multiplayer, especially because you can play as all of the characters. You can be the giant clown. You can be the mad clown. Yeah. You can be uh, Bear Hugger. Heck, you can be Gabby J. Maybe time to enact your revenge as Gabby J. Yay. So uh, <laughs> uh, Punch-Out for the Wii actually had multiplayer back in the day. But you're fighting a clone of yourself. But in this one, you actually get to uh, control the uh, the various charming national stereotypes for all the boxers. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I have some friends coming over this weekend, and I'm going to railroad them into playing Super Punch Out multiplayer with me. And I think it's going to be really fun. But I just love weird, interesting discoveries like this. Uh, yes. Sometimes we get these. Um, these, these secret codes or secret modes or things like that that we just don't know about for years and years and years. And then suddenly one day, they're like, oh, hey, there's a multiplayer mode in Super Punch-Out. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah, uh, years ago when I was a news freelancer for IGN, um, there was somebody on Reddit, I believe, found in the original Punch-Out. Now, we all knew that when you're fighting Mr. Dream or Mike Tyson, uh, his tell is he winks right before he punches. But that's not always... A reliable indicator but there was I, i'm probably misremembering but in the fight with mr dreamer tyson when a, a camera goes off is actually telegraphs when tyson's about to punch and if you know that it improves your chances of being able to actually win which of course i've said in the past no one has ever beaten mike tyson and mike tyson no, no it's, it's literally impossible no one can do it anyone who says they can right. is a liar and some people have presented <laughs> video evidence but i think it's a deep fake honestly but it was the same she thing goes. i wrote that as a news and it was like this really you know this that game had been out since what 1987 or 1988 and only now somebody you know realized that there was this this little clue cooked into the game and i yeah i'm, I'm with you cat i think it's so cool when they find these just these these hidden codes you know you think that nintendo power would have <laughs> published this sort of thing but they didn't so I mean, it was probably well, Steve, just a test mode, like I said, you know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't supposed but to I mean, be a super secret mode. The Konami code was supposed to just make it easier for the programmers to play through the game, and then they just never. Or at least, you know what? That's probably apocryphal. It was probably just put in there just for the heck of it. But, uh, Steve, are you a Punch-Out fan at all? Uh, yeah, I actually covered this on GVG uh, right around the time Kat confirmed it on Twitter. I happened to have notifications for that Twitter account turned on. And I was just sitting on the couch on my phone and I saw the tweet pop up and I was like, if this is real, this is huge. And uh, I immediately grabbed my switch and, and did the code. Uh, and it, when it worked, I was shocked. I was blown away by the fact that something like this had been hidden because um, if you're aware of previously known punch out codes, this is almost exactly the same. Like the Japanese text code is just two buttons on the title screen as well. So it's really interesting that nobody thought to try out just all the possible varieties of button combinations and stumble upon this. Um, I did see someone in the comments on our video saying that they had found the character select. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I feel like if this was something people <laughs> knew about, it wouldn't be such a yeah. huge thing. Yeah, their uncle told later. them about it. Yeah, their uncle at Nintendo. But exactly. uh, yeah, the implications for this are are really big. I agree with Kat that it's like a debug mode that was left in just to test like possible setups against every boxer. Uh, I'm sure QA used this back in the day. And and maybe it was 
just forgotten to be removed or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, the fact that with NSO, you could essentially play this online, I think. Like, you could do online multiplayer in Super Punch-Out oh, thanks yeah. to this code. <laughs> uh, that That's huge. So I haven't tried it online with anyone yet, but like Kat, I, I certainly intend to as soon as I can find a, a willing victim though i i feel like <laughs> whoever is in the boots of like the the enemy boxer is probably at a massive disadvantage oh yeah i feel well, like i i disagree easier as actually really oh, well, yeah. let's throw down <laughs> all right let's do it no i i these boxers are very powerful i i think that for example with bald bowl you have some like powerful attacks if you know when to use them it's just mostly a matter of not getting uh the timing like to to like punch you out as it were because of course as we know if bald bulls coming in and you hit it at the right time you can just immediately knock him out um yeah. i think he'd be more pre unpredictable with these uh ai formerly ai controlled boxers as it were um and especially with the the high level ones they have such they have punches that come out so quickly right that it can be really hard to avoid and when you're playing against the CPU, of course, you can recognize various patterns, but a human player is going to be more unpredictable. So in that respect, I think the, uh, the, the formally controlled, computer-controlled boxer would actually probably be at an advantage. Ooh. Wow. This, we need to put this to the test at some point. I need yeah. to find out. Yeah. Reb, are you a Punch-Out fan at all? Not especially, but I definitely share uh, Stephen Katz's surprise that this was not found before now. Uh, not not just because like it just seems like something someone would have stumbled upon, but we have people who speedrun everything and who are constantly finding weird things by accident just by... I, I don't even know how speedrunners find things, but I, I do not remember which punch out it was, but somebody regularly shows up at Games Done Quick and plays punch out blindfolded. Like you would think that the people Damn. who break these games down and like learn all of their very specific nuances. This is, this is not like an indictment of the speedrunning community. I'm just I'm just shocked that it never happened or that it was never it was never let slip by someone who knew. Right. Because there were people who worked on this game who clearly knew this information and just I guess never happened to mention it, you know, never mentioned it in an interview or over a drink to somebody else who happened to be in the industry who then happened to go on Twitter and be like, hey, by the way, uh, did anyone ever try this? I, it's just, it just seems like something that would have gotten out at some point. And it, it is always very cool when there are still new frontiers and new secrets to yeah. discover in video games at a time when everything is so heavily data mined and everything is all over the internet all the time and every secret feels like it's been discovered i i love it when there's still a a new frontier or a little sense of wonder that you can find uh, especially in something this old where presumably every other secret would have been found yeah it, it makes me think that as soon as this news came out like there must have been a, a mad rush of people like loading up games oh, yeah. on their emulators and just like start smashing buttons and trying to see if they could they can unlock uh, codes on their own. Um, God, I'm, there's a YouTube channel I follow and I'm struggling to remember the name of it, so that's not helpful. But basically he breaks down the code of NES games and shows like how they're broken. And it's, you know, it's also extremely interesting, but I, I also, I, I just love that there are still secrets out there that are hidden, that are waiting for us to find them. And I think it's probably uh, a great opportunity for Nintendo to just announce a new, Announce a new punch out game. Just yeah, tell us I, there's I can't a new wait punch out. Whip yeah. one up real quick. Yeah. Just put it together. Yeah. R.I.P. 
punch out in general right i mean we haven't really had one since uh the wii version and it's the wii the great little mac is in a, yeah the little mac is in super smash brothers and so we have a great callback to that history um and it, in general uh, there aren't enough good sports games on the switch anyway no. um so but yeah maybe maybe in many ways punch out is Kind of an artifact of nintendo's arcade past but um all i know is that i can't wait to knock some nerds out and super punch out now that I've this <laughs> yes. so it'll be good <laughs> and with that we have to take another break but we will return uh with some question block questions so stick around all right we are back and it is question block time and we're gonna ask some questions of the panel. Uh, Blair Lucian Curaton, uh, I'm so bad with pronouncing people's names, wants to know, I think this is, I really like this question. What's an executive decision you'd make if you were presiding over Square Enix? Kat, I would like to uh, pose this question to you first. I'm sorry, Reb, I didn't see your hand was up. Uh, I'll Kat, only if be you don't upset have, if, if she says the thing that I'm going to say. You can say you can oh. both say the same thing. No, go cat, go cat. Oh, I mean, this is purely selfish on my part, but I would immediately tell them to go do um, an HD remake of Valkyrie Profile in two D. Ooh, there you go. yeah! Ooh, wow, like just it's not what I expected. Make, That's good. No. Upres that in two D, or uh, keep keep the art style, keep the voices, and everything. Just make it in high definition, widescreen. Add in all of the quality of life improvements from the mobile version and the American version, and release it to all consoles. Let's go. Uh, that's. I am not decision. familiar with Valkyrie Pro Profile at all. Well, is this a game that should be on my radar? Game of all time. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a wonderful PS1 RPG about a Valkyrie named Leneth who collects the souls of the dead and builds uh, and sends them up to Valhalla um, as Ragnarok approaches. It's very dark, it's quite beautiful, and it's actually quite short, but it's fairly hard to find. As it happens, a new Valkyrie game is coming out this fall, Valkyrie Elysium. And one of the bonuses is that you're finally gonna be able to get, I believe, Valkyrie Profile Leneth as a result uh, through one of the services. It's a, it's a PlayStation game, more mm -hmm. uh, so. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to Valkyrie Elysium. It's not looking too bad, but it's a super bonus. I'm sorry. It's a super bonus uh, executive decision. Um, I would tell them <laughs> to just make a freaking classic Final Fantasy in the vein of a, like Final Fantasy IV or something, but yeah. it is in fully like Final Fantasy VII remake style graphics. Oh. Final Fantasy XVI is a return to the classics is Final Fantasy VI team. <laughs> All right, sweet. Reb, you had your hand up. Was your, uh, were you going to suggest Valkyrie Chronicles? No, absolutely not. Uh, I, oh. would, I would shut down the NFT department. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I like, I, I I like that. Would, and then I, I would use the money to fund newsletter. all the things Kat just said. Yay. <laughs> I mean, actually, really, if I did, if I shut down the NFT department, probably what I would do if I was boss and head honcho of Square Enix, 
uh, is I would use whatever money they are currently pouring into making cloud stripe action figures that are also NFTs and, you know, killing the planet in a, in, in, in a message that completely goes against everything that was in Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I would probably use that money. They, they've kind of been spinning up like an indie publishing thing lately, like they're publishing Power Wash Sim. Uh, and they seem to be trying to fund some smaller third-party games. And so I would love to use that money to fund more develop more indie developers who are doing things in that are inspired by things Square Enix used to do. There's a lot of really cool indie like turn-based RPGs that are doing interesting things with mechanics or you know have interesting like sprite-based styles or whatever that are very much inspired by what Square Enix used to do a ton of. And I feel like it would be really cool to have Square Enix backing on some of those or some of the you know famed Square Enix people who still work there helping support them. So yeah, that's what I do. I for one welcome my new Square Enix overlord. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Steve, it's now it's up to you. You're the you're the you you have executive decisions to make. Oh man, I'm surprised what? that the cat didn't call this one out or or Reb actually. Um I would immediately green light a uh HD2D remake of Chrono Trigger. Like I Oh yeah. Again. I yep. need that in my life so bad. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I, but I do agree with Reb. Shutting down the NFT department would, would make me feel better about <laughs> Square as a company in general. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. HD2D Chrono Trigger. As it is. HD2D. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of the tough one, right? Because yeah, like I, I too, I, I feel so torn about Chrono Trigger at all times because uh, you're right, Kat. It is basically perfect. But also, what if it could possibly be a little bit more perfect? I don't know. A little perfecter? A little perfect. I don't know. I would I, love to see it ported to the Switch, just wholesale. Oh yeah, I would. I I have said multiple times. No matter which way you release Chrono Trigger, I'm buying it again. Like it's it. Yeah. yeah. It opens my wallet all on its own. But, um, <laughs> I feel like with Square, you have to be hyper specific about how you want a game from them. <laughs> like because they will take the worst possible route to giving you what you want. The mobile ports. They're like, hey, look at all these oh. pixel remasters of Final Fantasy. We're gonna release those only on Steam. What if a monkey forever. paw were turned into a game publisher? That's square. You're talking about forever, is, yeah. <laughs> the like weird text in the menus, and every time they port something, you either get a beautiful version of it or you get weird sprite changes for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's exactly. what we all got with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I mean, I, it turned out okay, what? but we all thought it was just. We all thought Final Fantasy VII Remake was going to be a remake of Final Fantasy VII, like it was going to be the Not same a freaking game. Sequel. Just yeah yeah not a i mean we yeah. now know that like the remake is like a little hidden what, wait is this did, are what, you not aware what's of happening right now is this is this a final fantasy 7 remake shade podcast now oh yeah <laughs> no i'm saying <laughs> like, when they announced final fantasy 7 remake and everyone lost their minds everyone imagined that they were just remaking final fantasy 7 because everyone took the title literally and i'm not disparaging what they did i enjoy that well, game I'm going to disparage okay. it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, ooh. this is not out All on right, the Switch. Disparage away. I mean, we could talk. We're talking about Square Enix. So I don't think that doing a whole doing a wholesale change to the plot and that's frankly not in the spirit of the original game automatically makes it good. It is not daring. It's fan fiction. That is what they're doing. Whoa. Whoa. Really oh, my God. Rip face. If you're not if you're not watching the video. I extremely uh, I highly it. recommend. 
I think I, I, that- I recommend go listening to my podcast, my other podcast, where I go. I actually lose my mind over this. Uh, it is <laughs> it's a big trigger point for me, guys. Just saying. All right. I will simply reply that while I agree with you, I don't think that changing a plot automatically makes something genius. I think it is incredibly smart and interesting the ways in which Square Enix decided to do a metatextual examination of what it means to remake one of the most famous games of all time and whether something that is remade should be remade wholesale and what it would look like if maybe you didn't or maybe you took those moments that were some of the most powerful moments in the original and reconsidered what they looked like in 2022 when or 2020 whatever year that came out when everybody already knows what those moments are and has already sort of been dulled to the power of them okay well i I got (laughs) it's not out on the switch but it's an entire podcast from a different different console but yes (laughs) i mean i like this conversation steve you're gonna say yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I will say that going into episode two of, of this remake and not knowing what to expect, I'm, I'm really excited for that. Like, it, it's off the rails now, and as somebody who adores the original Final Fantasy VII, and, and much like Chrono Trigger, considers it to be a, a darn near perfect game, uh, I am excited to play through the remake and not know what story beats I'm going to experience. Like, I feel... I, I agree with Reb in that they lose some of their power you know, decades on knowing what's what would happen if they did it just beat for beat. But I also agree with Kat that it's it's a really great game. It's hard, like, I feel like I'm in the middle of this because there are some things story-wise already that I think are undeniably worse in, in Remake. But I also like the fact filler. that I'm, I've got, yeah, there's a lot of filler. But I think that there's yeah. a lot to be surprised about. You know, I, I'm, as somebody who is who has played the original and played it when it was the new AAA game that came out at the time, I'm really excited to see where this new story is going to take me. And who knows, maybe there is some similarly impactful moment that will just leave its leave a mark on me, you know, the, that I'll never forget. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go. But yeah, time will tell if this story actually compares to the greatness of the original. Yeah, I would and argue I'll, that the original, the best parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1 were the ways that they expanded Jesse's character and Aerith and Tifa and Barrett and uh, expand and like completely made everything that was happening in, um, I can't remember the name, the red light district and everything that was happening with there with cloud getting dressed up. They did an incredible job with that. And guess what? All of that was an expansion of the original material. So it's not a zero sum game. You can take the original material and expand upon it and reimagine it in interesting ways without actually completely derailing and destroying the original story, which is what they're doing. (laughs) I will tie this back to the Switch a little bit uh, and just say that this is not the only game that Square Enix seems to be doing some sort of examination of what what it means to remake or remaster something with. Uh, Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition had an extra message at the very end of when you when you finish both chrono cross and radical dreamers don't do drugs that was the message has a very small extra bit (laughs) of content added to the end that i think you know is is very small and almost ignorable but i think it 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 appears to sort of examine what it means to revisit chrono cross and radical dreamers you know however many years later it is and live alive which i reviewed and talked about extensively again like don't want to spoil it for people but i will give I guess a little bit more detail than I gave in my review discussion. 
which is that the there is new content at the very very end of that game they added a completely new chunk to the very end of that game that was not in the original and i think is absolutely brilliant and should have been in the original to begin with and it is kind of mind-blowing that the original live alive ended in any other way and so i think it's interesting the way square enix in general is sort of reimagining all these games as it revisits them yeah and i will Rain it back to Switch and Final Fantasy. You can buy Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IX, and Final, I believe Final Fantasy X, yeah, on Switch yeah. in their original forms with some quality of life. Like you can speed through battles or you can just automa basically automatically win. So if you do yeah, want to experience... ever come out, we'll have all of them all the way going up till 12. Oh my God. That's, I mean, I, I kind of was expecting at least one person to say like, bring the Pixel Remasters to the Switch, but... uh. Yeah, I if, I if 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 it Maybe were up to year. me, yeah or uh, yeah probably. Um, I, uh, I my more importantly, favorite... bring thirteen to the switch. There we go. Now come on now, Kat, now. you're just <laughs> you go now now you've gone too far. I know that that one gets a lot of uh, unfair. Um, There's a, a whole generation of uh, Final Fantasy thirteen stands. I believe Jada's one of them. I know, I know. I I was very I was surprised to learn how much people were ex uh, how much people love that game, but they do, and they're like you know, and it's but that typical uh, JRPG. If you can get through the first thirty hours, you know, it's a really <laughs> great game. But I I wanted to say what I was going to do if it were up to me, and I would remake Final Fantasy IX, and I would just have all the uh, the static backgrounds redone and all the graphics redone because Final Fantasy IX is my favorite one out of the the PlayStation era and i but, but let's it on change Switch. the story now because what we need is a metatextual <laughs> examination of what it means to wow. be a final i feel personally nine. attacked right now what is going on <laughs> let's take let's get rid of everything you liked about final fantasy 9's story and replace it with something that's basically like kingdom hearts and all right cat all you want to play dirty oh, i didn't like the original final wow. fantasy 7 i didn't think it was good wow <laughs> Damn. Oh, shots fired. I just want to say Final Fantasy, <laughs> 9, Final Fantasy 9 is really good and everyone should go play it. And they should Rev, remake it with you. all the... Final Fantasy 7 Remake actually does make me temporarily insane. <laughs> if it comes up, I become... I go into my final form, the crazy cat form. Like, the cat takes just go off the charts. They just do. Just like how I felt when I tried to play Final Fantasy 7 the original. For the oh, my God. <laughs> the hottest hot gonna... take i've ever heard reb <laughs> i know cat and i are gonna fight <laughs> final fantasy 7 is, <laughs> is absolutely a product of its time and it's very hard to if you've never played it and if you didn't get it at the time it's very hard to capture that sort of lightning in a bottle for the fact that we had all played final fantasy before on these beautiful pixel 2d you know uh we played it on nes and we played it on super nes and they were wonderful epic huge uh you know sagas and final fantasy 6 which we all called final fantasy 3 because that's what it was back then was probably you know one of the greatest jrpgs turn-based jrpgs of all time you know huge cast yeah. and and then on playstation 1 holy crap there there's 3d there's pre-rendered backgrounds there's three discs um there's the summons which <laughs> Clouds chunky. Yeah, there's a little chunk. I mean, artistically, it had some uh, some yeah. some continuity issues there. Sometimes they looked a little more uh, chunky with their square fists than at other times. But 
to at the time that was such a rev like a, just a revolution of what a final fantasy game could be and they really leaned into it and they just made like what was absolutely and, and ultimately incredible experience for the time now going back final fantasy 6 i think is better and i think final fantasy 9 is also it's my personal favorite of that era but like that's part of what gets lost in any talk about final fantasy 7 was how unbelievable it was to go from a cartridge-based uh pixel-based game to this just like enormously you know, cutscenes cutscenes we take for granted now back then a cutscene was like a reward it was the cream inside the oreo like after you got through the crappy chocolate stuff that was okay you got this creamy delicious treat in the middle and that's what cutscenes were and that's what summons were i remember being blown away by summons and not really caring that knights of the round is one minute and 45 seconds every time you cast it Enough about Final Fantasy VII. We still have other questions to talk about in Question Block. Nathan Sisodia asks, if the Wii U had been as successful as most of the other Nintendo consoles, would the Switch that was eventually released have been everything that we want now? And for examples, uh, Nathan gives 4K, high-quality processor, OLED, intense battery life, rich in vitamin D, etc. So I turn to the panel. Do you think had the Wii U uh, been a success and lived a you know a full life cycle and wasn't just you know dropped off into the woods and told that you're free now boy and left to to fend for its own uh do you think that we would have this whatever came after it would be the sort of what we call the switch pro hypothetically i think the question is that they're really wondering <laughs> would the wii u have lasted longer and therefore yeah. the nintendo switch come out and somewhat later like okay let's pretend let this counterfactual let's pretend that we used successful it came out in 2012 it only lasted about four years and then it was done um the wii u itself was in its own way a kind of a switch prototype because yep. they were testing out the whole portable controller screen thing and everything if it's successful you maybe imagine that it lasts a couple more years so instead of 2017 we get it the switch in like 2019 say um sure I, I think that maybe we would see a better processor uh i don't think i don't think nintendo would ever go 4k no I, that's what i was gonna say i don't think not with the, 4K not with the release version yeah no they would uh be trying to keep the price down i think um they might have gone with a better chip do. than they yeah. did uh because yeah. the something better than the the original Tiger chip that they went with. Right. Right. It is, it is very tough to say. Like, yeah, I think, I think Kat's got the right of it. I think had the Wii U, everything remained the same about the Wii U, but it had been wildly successful. Uh, I think they would have hung on, hung on to it for much longer. Um, I think probably even longer than two years. I think they would have hung on to it possibly for another four years, but it had been wildly successful uh, because they also would have had the software support for it, right? Like assuming it's wildly right. successful, then both Nintendo and third-party developers start aggressively thinking, okay, how do we develop for this weird thing? And so we start getting more and more games on the Wii U. It has the support to last. We get the ideas that ultimately became games that came out on the Switch converted to the Wii U. So like we get, I don't even know, like, Splatoon 2, but it's Wii U instead of the, or yeah, it's Wii U instead of, of Switch, wild. or Breath of the Wild is Wii U only. Which like we get, we get things like that. Breath yeah. of the Wild presumably makes the Wii U sell even more. Uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons probably would have been Wii U. 
Mm. So so games like that carry it through its life cycle. And we probably get all the way maybe to like, yeah, 2019, 2020, 2021 even uh, with the Wii U being their you know product. If we get that far out, then Xbox and PlayStation have come out with the PS5 and the Xbox series at that point. And so Nintendo is either coming out with something that has to compete in air quotes with them around the same year or it comes out the following year and so it has to follow them up and so they already have these consoles that are touting things like 4k and you know all all these other fancy features i think that maybe they i think that while they they are still nintendo and they are going to try to keep the price down and you know do the things that nintendo does if they are not if if all of these things happen, they are not actively trying to rebuy back the audience's love, I guess, in the same way that they were with the Switch. So maybe they can get away with making a slightly more expensive console. Maybe they can get away with, you know, some a little bit fancier tech to sort of sway people to buy a Switch when they already have or are already considering a PS5 or an Xbox series. I think I think basically what happens is their considerations become a little bit different. They're still they're still very Nintendo. They're still very committed to driving on their own road and not worrying about fighting with everybody else over the best technology, but they maybe have to consider it a little bit more carefully than they otherwise would have with the, you know, situation where they're releasing things on a sort of staggered timeline with everybody else. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Steve, what's their launch thoughts? game? What, what? That's a great oh. question. My, my, my thoughts are a little bit different on this one because uh, thanks okay. to that Giga leak a while back, uh, we know that Nintendo was prototyping the Switch, had the name and everything decided in 2014. So they, they had Mario Kart 8 up and running on a prototype Switch two years after the Wii U came out. Um, and and they, were, they were at the time evaluating a variant of the 3DS a processor for it which would have been a disaster in my opinion and the tech uh, and yeah. obviously we know wow. we know where they went with that uh but the original like they had the concept of the switch nailed down as as early as 2014 um you know and then they just kind of refined it to what we ended up getting and i feel like that at that point nintendo internally probably understood that that the wii u was not going to be a sales success uh they probably understood that we need to you know we need to buy enough time to get a new console out the door uh because i think a year after after that in 2015 i think is when satoru wada started publicly talking about a wii u successor they they knew that this was not going to be a winner for them um I think if if it had been reversed, I think, you know, we know that companies don't just release a console and then sit back and wait. Their R&D team goes right to work on figuring out the next thing. Um, so I think they would have bought time uh, with the Wii U and they would have, we would have still, I think the only difference is we would have maybe gotten something more akin to the Switch OLED as our very first next console. Yeah. Uh, but I think Nintendo is still very much divergent in how they think about the console landscape the competitive landscape of the industry um because we're looking at you know sony put 8k on the ps5 box not really true but but they they still claim that the ps5 is capable of it um and nintendo has always been almost like two generations behind technologically speaking when we're talking about display tech uh you know the switch the current iteration of the switch doesn't do 120 hertz even at 1080p you know, both competing consoles do that now uh, at 4K. I, I envision that Nintendo would have dropped a really nice, much more refined version of what we already have that still only supports up to 1080p. And I, I suspect that, you know, we'll barely, barely with the next Nintendo console dip our toe into 4K. And even then it'll be like upscaled checkerboard 4K. We're not going to get like native, yeah. uh, you know, high yeah. power stuff. 
the switch yeah. i will say right i now think is not even up to the ps4's level and no. it we we might have gotten something that matched the ps4 in terms of uh yeah. the switch which actually would have been pretty nice the ps4 yeah. was, mm-hmm. the, the launch ps4 was actually pretty good go ahead rep I will say I think that had had all this come to pass, they probably would have accelerated the timeline or I guess not accelerated, but we would have seen if we had indeed seen an OLED model at launch, I think we would have seen a light model at launch as well, uh, because yeah. in, in this hypothetical scenario, uh, we have the, the 3DS is starting to run out its life cycle around the time the switch comes out and the Wii U is the one that's truncated, but the 3DS has been around for a long time, so they need something to pick up the handheld slack and while that is technically the switch i think if we're getting a high-powered model they're also going to go for a cheaper more kid-friendly handheld model alongside it as well and not wait until a couple of years after it's come out to drop that yeah i think also uh one thing had the wii u been successful the switch would have been called the wii 2. that's not true i just that's <laughs> oh just, that's, just that's not funny. even funny no, it's not. You don't have it's to. It's funny in a sad way. Don't humor me. I, I, I'll be perfectly honest. When they said that it was called the Nintendo Switch, I was like, oh, I mean, I knew I was going to buy it. Anyway, but I was like, oh, no, nobody's going to buy the Nintendo Switch. That sounds horrible. Oh, I was so better than Wii U. That first the, commercial well, immediately sold me. I was so excited. Yeah. When I saw yeah, it, I was I, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great pr- proof of concept. Yeah. Very, I didn't yeah. trust my inst like I was like this is so cool this is the awesomest thing and I was like oh no I bet none of my friends like it and then I was I was wrong all my friends have a Nintendo at least one Nintendo Switch well, they showed people gathered around a table outside with the uh, like we the Switch on its kickstand playing yeah. like, NBA 2K or something I'm like I don't think that's gonna happen or like <laughs> sitting on a plane and having it on your table i've actually done the kickstand thing on the table where i like set up the switch and pull out my pro controller or something so you have yeah, you I you did. and i were in a hotel lobby with a couple people once and we we had the switch in little kickstand mode and we were all gathered around what were we playing we we're playing smash what, i don't remember what we we're playing smash or mario kart i think it was smash i think it was smash oh, yeah. yeah yeah perfect it's great well i guess i know what we're gonna do in germany Rab. we're gonna play smash on nintendo we're gonna play kirby. i'm terrible oh. at smash let's play kirby my heart i'm bad i'm bad at it too so we'll be perfect uh okay okay we'll be good then play splatoon that's that's well, another great idea yeah that'll be, we'll be out yet oh no uh, oh yeah for gamescom yeah no well i'll bring yeah. splatoon 2 we'll play splatoon 2 there you go i'm having oh, a hard yeah. time saying that Let's talk about what we've been playing. I mean, we've been talking about video games. We had a heated and awesome discussion on Final Fantasy VII, but right now I want to know, Steve, what have you been playing lately? Oh man, uh, I've been playing a lot of Cult of the Lamb and Spider-Man Remastered on PC, which- Oh, nice. Spider-Man, very high Cisrex. Can't, you need to have a really good PC to make it better than playing on oh, PS5. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have like a, a RTX 3080. I managed to find one of those during the pandemic and can't keep up. It's not better. No it's not a better experience way. than on PS5. Um, mm. Cult of the Lamb is super fun. I am I love that game. I have the little lamb back there somewhere. But, it is Cult um, of the Lamb. Exactly. Yeah, I, Cult of the I lamb know everyone's talking like, about it. I know nothing about this game yeah so it's it's basically like uh it it's half hades half uh like a village management sim except you're a cult leader and so the whole point is that you're preparing the world for the arrival of 
a dead god that saved you from being a sacrifice and you you create a little community full of followers for this for this god and you basically you're not supposed to care about them you're supposed to raise them to be willing sacrifices essentially and it's it's kind of messed up and it's really dark but it's got this super cutesy art style and and the gameplay is just incredibly fun like i like the management stuff which is normally where you lose me uh but you have to take care of their needs you have to direct your followers to like you know clean up the area build new facilities help they eventually help you recruit more followers to in turn grow the community and you know they they manage things while you're out literally slaughtering ancient gods to to get them out of the way so it's a really fun game it's on switch it's on a playstation pc like everything but uh continues the trend of devolver releasing really unique really interesting games ah okay and i just bought it definitely interested (laughs) (laughs) that was fast so uh anything else or as as far as uh, other games that I'm playing, let's see. My Switch Xenoblade Chronicles three, like it's a Xenoblade oh. machine right now. Okay, and how, uh, how I'm I'm like I stare it? at it and I'm like I know this is going to be a hundred hours or more, but <laughs> I, I need to make my way through it. I'm in chapter three right now, and chapter three feels interminably long. Like <laughs> I'm trying to reach the end of it. I pulled up the IGN guide because I saw that there's a, yeah. a mechanic called Ouroboros orders, and they were like, oh hey. Uh, you haven't completed any of these during any of your chain attacks. And I just learned that the game hasn't explained it to me yet. It just shows it, but it hasn't told me that they exist and I can't do them yet. Uh, which is funny. I, I, I wrote IGN's guide for two and I, I really enjoyed it. That's what made me a Xenoblade fan was IGN approached me to write the guide for Xenoblade Chronicles two. And that got me into the series. So now I'm just playing three for fun. Nice. That's that's the best way to play a game. Actually, is to play it. For fun. Yeah, it turns it turns out when you're not covering a game, you can have a whole lot more fun with it than if you are. Yeah, you can let it. You really let it breathe. Really explore the area with a with a Xenoblade. So it's it's very like cool. other people's kids. When you can walk away from it and come back to it later, <laughs> turns out it's a lot Aww. more fun. <laughs> I say this as well, as a parent of two children. Yes, I I, I completely <laughs> understand, but my children aren't even children anymore they're all grown up now and moving away oh. from me well one of them oh. is so anyway yeah i, 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 I don't i'm not envious of that level of heartbreak <laughs> it's whatever it's, <laughs> the worst part is i'm going to be a gamescom when he when he has like his when he goes away to his first week of college oh awesome yeah. I'll, I'll buy him some salt licorice from germany <laughs> that'll soothe any wound uh, yes <laughs> Mm, thanks, Dad. Now go back home. I'll You're embarrassing me. <laughs> uh, Reb, you've been reading books. That's 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 some real nerd stuff. I'm just kidding. I'm I've been reading sorry. books. Too. I I I uh, I'm almost done with the Lord of the Rings again, and I f- always forget how just much I love that book. But really what have good. you been playing other than other than reading books? I'm in some yeah. I'm in a bit of a lull right now. Like I finished Live Alive, and it was just so incredible and then i'm waiting for splatoon 3 so i'm kind of in a weird lull between big games that i intend to play i've dabbled in a couple of pc indies that are not available on switch so i won't get you know into them right here but the main switch game i'm playing is once again i've talked about it like three or four times in this podcast ring fit adventure i am still going uh i picked it back up again recently exercising every single morning i am almost done with my third playthrough of this game and i am faced with the question 
Uh, so there's, I've said it before, sorry if you're hearing me repeat this, but there's basically three versions of the story mode that you play through before there's literally no more story content left. And so I'm sort of facing down, what am I going to do when I finish the story of this game? Like what's left? And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to play again using the community designed Nuzlocke rules for Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, all right. <laughs> Which I was are suggest you uh, just wow. make your own fan fiction story like Final Fantasy Seven. Oh my gosh! No, <laughs> come on now. No, no, I've got to, I've got to do the exercise. So the the way the Nuzlocke rules work, to my understanding, is that at the start of every session, you randomize the exercises that are on your because so you have like a limited, you basically equip exercises. You can only have a certain amount equipped at a time to use in battle. So you randomize the ones that you have equipped based off all the ones that you've learned so far, and then when you enter battle you choose random every time. So every day you're basically getting a completely random set of exercises and they might not be ones that you necessarily want to do, or they might not be ones uh -oh. that are necessarily optimal for the encounter. Uh, and it's basically like a super hard mode. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to give awesome, this a try actually. and see yeah. if I can live through it. Yeah, I am. Oh, I, I think my, my one house rule is I will refuse to do mountain climbers because that's like the one exercise the game. It's really hard, but also the game does not track it very well. So you're stuck oh, okay. doing like double sets of this very, really hard exercise because it doesn't want to track them accurately. Wow. Well, yeah, I love it. It's talk one about of my it, favorites. Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play. And then I, ne I just, I never do. It's, so it's so good. It's honestly, oh, probably one sorry. of my favorite games ever. It's so well designed. That's I need a wow. sequel. We're, we're coming up. We get, we're due for a sequel, right? Yeah. You need a new story. So you need a sequel. I do. Yeah. At least a DLC, but okay. Kat, what have you been playing this last week? Sorry, I was just enjoying the B-roll of Jonathan Dornbush doing all of those exercises. I know, I love that. Every time. <laughs> With his headband on, and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's very sporty. I, uh, I've i been in full RPG sicko mode. Um, so on the one hand, I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'm only in Chapter 2. It's still getting still getting all those tutorials. Um, I've unlocked chain attacks oh, they never stop. and whatnot. Oh, no, they're still going. Uh, I've unlocked chain attacks, which I don't... Ex understand extremely well but i'm slowly kind of getting to it um these systems seem very complicated but actually they're not as intense as they seem on the face of it mm. i like the party still um i'm playing as a cat girl with a giant hammer what's not to love i <laughs> i like the game i don't know if i like it enough to keep going in the sense oh, okay. of it's a it's a it's a big lift there's a lot to it i'm not that invested in it it's a really nice and easy game uh to pick up and enjoy yes. but i'm not like wow this is like fully hooked into my brain and i have to keep going i must see what happens next and i'm like this is nice and so uh that that's kind of my feelings on xenoblade chronicles 3 though i hear that it turns uh somewhat significantly in chapter 3 so we'll we'll see how that goes um, I'm also playing Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky on my Steam Deck, which it says it's not supported, but actually if you just play it in Direct X8 mode, it runs perfectly fine. I'm really digging it. You get fast forward mode. Um, yeah, that's a game that did kind of hook into me because even though it moves very slowly to start, uh, I think rereading Lord of the Rings actually made me a lot more patient for that kind of very slow world building. I, I like the world. I like the look of it. It's like they unearthed a PS1 game and just like, here's a new PS1 game uh, to, to play. And I, I love Estelle. Uh, I want to protect Estelle forever. She's great. 
and mm-hmm. uh, the music is lovely. It's very wonderful. I like the character designs, and I, I sort like of this. feel like I've unlocked this huge, huge world because um, the, the Trails games, there's Trails in the Sky and Trails of Cold Steel, and there's a new Trails game coming out next month, and they all connect together in one way or another. So it's a little bit like picking up the first book in a giant fantasy series and going, oh, I might be in trouble. Oh, crap. I might be playing <laughs> like thousands upon hours of uh, RPGs. So that is kind of where I stand in terms of what I've been playing. So next week, uh, Madden. I'm going to be doing the Madden review. Oh, my God. Interestingly it's enough. that oh, time wow. of year again. That time of year. So uh, that's going to derail me a little bit. So I might have to sacrifice, you know, Blade Chronicles 3 so I can... Uh, play that's okay uh, the latest madden <laughs> no one's gonna judge you except for every xenoblade fan in the comments i was about to say um, i think derek's well, gonna want to have words with you about this cat <laughs> i mean i will Madden's basically an rpg just not a very good one so <laughs> that's, yeah. you're that's uh like when you were talking about xenoblade it, i'm sorry cat you had a go ahead final point to make Nope. Uh, I was just going to say, like, one of the things I've noticed from playing Xenoblade is, like, I, I really enjoy knowing that there's going to be another system I'm going to unlock. And I, you know, like, oh, what's the next system that I'm going to unlock? But what I don't get from unlocking these systems is the feeling of, like, ultimate power. I don't really feel like learning these systems has um, given me that much of an edge in battle like they're really cool they look amazing they're fun to execute but it's not like when you get that first summon in a final fantasy game and you're like oh my god like i just can roll over all the enemies now because i'm super powerful i don't i mean i'm sure that comes later on in the game but when it's introducing these systems in a way that's like so dramatic and so meaningful and then the payoff isn't that ultimately that big it's kind of disappointing that being said i'm still playing xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'm further in it than I've been in any Xenoblade Chronicles game before. I am enjoying it. I do look forward to playing it. And I'm thinking that when I'm flying to Germany, that's probably going to be the perfect game to play on my red eye flight while I'm struggling to either fall asleep or stay awake. I haven't decided yet which one I'm going to do. But outside of that, uh, a, a listener, Aaron Cooper, sent me a code for a game called Arcade Paradise, which is out today on uh switch and steam and uh i didn't know anything about this game so i just figured it was you know an arcade collection i was way off because you start out uh your dad is like hey go run this laundromat that i own uh i forgot all about that i owned it and it's so you basically you do laundry and you get points for how fast you can um take it from the dryer to the folding rack and you spend the money that you make on arcade machines, which are playable, by the way. And some of them are very charming. I'm only like a, like an hour and a half or maybe two hours into this game. But it's like a 90s simulator. And it's really <laughs> cool. And I definitely recommend checking out Arcade Paradise. It's weird. It's definitely like got that weird indie feel to it. But uh, yeah, it's. I spent the m- most of my time last night doing laundry because I've only just started and I, you know, it's like low level grinding. So I'm just doing laundry and then between loads, like I go and play a video game and then my watch goes off. Oh no. And I got to go change, change the laundry over, but arcade paradise, 
pretty fun, pretty interesting Looks game. Really cool. I suggest checking it out. It's on Switch. It's like it's stylistically, I really like it. So um, yeah. yeah, go check that one out. I also played on cast recommendation Mega Man Battle and Fighters, which came to the Switch last week in the US. And uh I'm enjoying it because I love everything Mega Man. Unfortunately, I don't read Japanese and it doesn't have any English text and so i'm basically just stumbling around the menu systems trying to figure out what's going on but very cool game it makes you know what it made me want more than anything was a neo geo pocket like i completely missed out on the neo geo pocket now i want one because just look at that thing look at how look at those candy like buttons oh my god i just want to press them and and uh, i just want to i just want to put it in my pocket it's, it's right there in the name folks so but that's all that I have been playing and I've been enjoying everything that I've been playing. And then, you know, I'm going to start loading up my Steam Deck and my Switch with uh, travel stuff because like I like to keep saying, going to Germany, I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, we won't be doing NBC, I'm sorry. So You're doing the ritual where you load up your handheld with all of these games. And you're like, I don't play all of these games. And then you somehow end up playing like Gradius or something on oh, the NES. No, what? This is what this is wrong with you people. I'm going to sleep on the plane. This is how it's going to play out. I'm going to load up my iPad with like 10 Netflix movies. I'm going to load up my phone with like, you know, like 30 hours of podcasts. I'm going to load up my Steam Deck with a bunch of games. I'm going to load up the Switch with a bunch of games. And then I'm going to buy the in-flight Wi-Fi and use Instagram and Twitter the entire time. So (laughs) you're going to be too tired to visit the Skeleton Church. No, no way. The Skeleton Church. You're going to be so jet lagged. (laughs) No, no, I won't be jet lagged at all. I'm, I'm, I have an advantage because I'm three hours ahead of you, so I'll oh. be bright eyed and bushy tailed as we go and look at skull, at ornamental skulls, and uh, <laughs> and things of that nature. Gold all filigree. Right, well, when I have fevers. to drag you and Waluigi out of the catacombs, uh, I'll, I will. I'll that. Look, I, I'm, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm like the, I am the worst at staying awake, so I will <laughs> just probably fall asleep um immediately upon arrival in germany i'm i don't even i can't i it's michael scott it's michael scott putting on his uh his sleep mask and get it yeah you can't watch the office anymore but this has been such a fun show and i really like i loved it so much in spite of our you know technical difficulties which please let us know that you know we're like we're not completely aware that there are technical difficulties but tell us all about them in the t- in the comments we look yes to. please do it uh oh tag God. me specifically don't tag me please God, <laughs> no um but that's it that's all the time we have left for this week's nvc you can follow us on twitter at nvc podcast you can submit your questions on the unofficial NBC podcast, unofficial official uh, NBC podcast group on Facebook. I want to say thanks to Red on the ones and twos. Steve, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me over at Good Vibes Gaming, which is uh, youtube.com slash GVG official, twitter.com slash GVG official, and patreon.com slash GV gaming because somebody already had GVG official somehow. But uh, thanks for having me. No, thanks for being on. It was tons of fun. Reb, always a pleasure. Cat, of course, I am always in awe whenever we get to work together. But most of all, I want to say thank you to you, the listener, for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only place where you can get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.